We've opened with this verse a couple of weeks now, John chapter 13 and verse 35. The Bible says this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Again, so often we look at our world and we think, what in the world's wrong with them? Why aren't they coming to Christ? Why aren't they living the way that they ought to? And why is our world waxing worse and worse? And I want you to understand that the Bible tells us that the world is going to wax worse and worse. It's going to happen. Evil people are going to live evil lives. Yet there are times in my life where I look and think, did we as Christians really do all we could? The fact of the matter is probably not. And in this particular instance, we do not love the way that we ought to love. There have been times in our lives where we have been harsh toward other Christians. We've been harsh toward other people around us, and we have not loved one another. And this is why people don't know that we are truly God's disciples. They look at us and say, you have a religion. And we say, no, no, we have a relationship, yet we live a different way. Our relationship is not truly what it is meant to be. Again, we've said this over the last little bit, that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church body, not the church building, I want you to understand the difference between a church, what a church is. It's not a building, it's the people. The people are a, the pillar and ground of the truth. That means you, every single one of you, are the pillar and ground of the truth, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. The church is made up of individual members, and each member is placed in that body as it hath pleased God. So every one of you here have been placed here by God. Every member is then to be loved and cared for by the body. Every member is to be loved and cared for by the body. When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. Well, again, the question is asked, what exactly does that look like? How exactly does that play out in our lives? Well, the Bible is a wonderful book. Let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7 again. The Bible says, charity suffereth long. And is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Verse 8, charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I want to look tonight at love's actions part two. If you'll remember, we discussed verses four and five two weeks ago. I want you to see, number one, this evening, that love's actions, number one, it rejoiceth. It rejoices. Let me ask, ask you this question. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? I mean, what makes you truly full of joy? What lifts your spirits? When you're down in the dumps and having a little bit of a discouraging day, what lifts your spirits? What discourages you? 
What brings you down? What frustrates you? I believe every person should be asking themselves these questions. I believe you should know yourself well enough to know the answer to these questions. And if you answer these things honestly, you will begin to see what type of person you are. If you were to answer, well, these are the things that discourage me or everything discourages me, you begin to see what type of person you are. If you say, I can rejoice in good things and I get frustrated with bad things, again, you're beginning to show yourself what type of person you are. Maybe you are the type of person that gets frustrated or even discouraged by someone that gets a new car. You get a little bit discouraged by that and you drive a beat-up old car. Maybe you get frustrated by that. Maybe you get frustrated or discouraged when someone does a better job at something than you do. Maybe you get frustrated or discouraged when someone gets more attention than you get. If you are that type of person, then you would probably be happy if that same person with the new car got in a car accident. Ah, that serves them right buying a new car like that. You might be happy if that person who does a better job than you messes up. Oh, yeah, good. I knew he wasn't perfect. You might be happy if that other person gets made fun of because they got more attention than you for doing a good job. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes we can be so insecure. So insecure. We would rather see someone fail than to succeed in order to make us feel better. We want ourselves to feel good, and we want ourselves to feel prosperous, and so we may not be able to do better than others, but if we can see people do worse than us, that makes us happy. Love does not do this. This is not the love that we're talking about. That is not love. What is love? Let's look at verse 6 again. It says, rejoiceth not in iniquity. Rejoiceth not in in iniquity. I love using a husband and wife relationship in regards to love because usually I have done most of the things that I want to tell you not to do. I will look for things. I hate to even tell you this. I will look for things that my wife does wrong. And guess what? I will mentally log those to be used when I do something wrong. She'll be upset with me about something I've done really dumb. And I'll say, you remember that one time about four and a half years ago where you did this? It usually takes that long for my wife to do in between wrong things. You remember when you did this wrong and you did that wrong and you said this and I'll try to bring those things up and I will rejoice when she does something wrong because... Now I've got ammo. So that's not love. That's not what it is. You see, I am rejoicing in her iniquity. I am rejoicing that she has done something wrong. You know what that is? That's immature. Very immature. And it is so, so, so not love. It is not love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, let's bring this into the church. I've seen this happen more times than I care to admit. 
Someone has found that they are in some sort of sin. In Christians, godly people that have been in church for years say things like this, I knew they weren't right. I knew something was wrong with them. I could see it written all over their faces. It was bound to happen. They played with sin far too long and it bit them. We say things like that. We walk around as if our proverbial noses are up in the air saying, well, it wasn't me. I'm better than they are. We're quite content that that person has sinned We are pompous to the fact that we haven't sinned openly like that. Use the word openly very intentionally. However, did you ever think to pray for that person instead of eagerly awaiting their demise? You see, that's what we do, don't we? We eagerly wait like a a, uh, master over its servant saying, I want you to do wrong so I can punish you, so I can throw it in your face and I can make myself look better. We do these things because we want ourselves to look, well, I didn't do that. We compare ourselves among ourselves instead of eagerly awaiting someone's demise. Why did we not take the time to pray for them? Why do we not take the time to see that they are in a hard place and go to them and say, hey, is there anything that I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to encourage you? The Bible tells us that if we see someone overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual ought to go and restore such an one. Being careful to watch over yourself that you don't fall into the same temptation. You see, but so often we sit back and we watch people and we let them go into their uh, abyss of sin and just let them continue to walk and we rejoice in that iniquity. Listen, that is not love. That is horrible. If you think about that in its basis form, that's horrible. We are so immature. We are such babies that we come to that point. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but let's look at what love rejoiceth in. The Bible says, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Notice with me exactly what the Bible says. Don't implant anything in there. Rejoiceth in what? The truth. The truth. Notice it doesn't say rejoiceth in the good things. Does it? It does not say that it rejoices in good things. It says it rejoices in truth. You see, our natural tendency is to rejoice in iniquity. Rejoice in those things that are bad. It is a whole different story, though, if we say, well, all right, I won't rejoice in iniquity. We think we're something special, right? Well, Pastor Yeomans, the things that you just mentioned, I I would never do that. But it's a whole different story to rejoice in the truth. It's a whole different story to rejoice in the truth. That's what I love about the Bible. It always goes further. When someone wants to tell us the truth about us, how loving are you? When somebody wants to come to you and say there's something wrong in your life, How accepting and how loving are you of that? So when someone comes to you who loves you and says, hey, I've noticed something wrong in your life, 
What's your initial reaction? What's your initial reaction? What's your secondary reaction? Let's give you the benefit of the doubt and say your first reaction's wrong and maybe you have a better second reaction. I'll tell you what my first reaction is. Who are you? Who do you think you are? My secondary reaction, hopefully, is one of rejoicing. I'll give you a quick example. Maybe you've heard this, me give this story before. But uh, Beth and I were fairly new to the church, and we were having a help meeting next door in the fellowship hall. And so Beth and I were obviously planning on going to the help meeting because we were planning on going to help, and she was so involved in music and all kinds of different things. She was practicing and doing all kinds of things that were going on. And so we met at that back door right there. And I said to her, we need to go to the help meeting. And she said, I have a music practice. And there's somebody literally standing there holding the door, listening to us have this conversation. I said, we need to go to the help meeting. That's where we're supposed to be. And she said, basically, I'm sorry, I have to go practice. And I remember thinking, oh, how unsubmissive. How terrible. <laughs> You're not supposed to say amen there. <laughs> How terrible this is. And in that moment, the person that was holding the door just looked at me and said, if you pull her in two different directions, you're going to pull her in half. And that, the, my initial reaction was, shut up. I don't want to hear that. Not right now. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I literally went to the help meeting, and the help meeting was everything I already knew and everything my wife already knew. So guess what? We really didn't need to be there. But the whole time I'm sitting there by myself in the help meeting, Pastor Holland's talking. I'm sorry, Pastor Holland, but I didn't listen to a word you said because all I could think about was what this man had said. And I began to think about it, and I thought, he's right. And you know what? I know that he loves us. And he wants to help. I remember calling that man that night. I called him. I just said, I just want to thank you for what you said. He said, I really appreciate it. He said, honestly, I don't know where it came from. I just thought I should say something. I said, no, I don't necessarily want you always involved in every aspect of my life telling me what to do, but I appreciate that you said that. Listen, what, what's your reaction when somebody points out that you're not doing right? What's your reaction when somebody says, hey, you're not going the right way? And can you rejoice in the truth? Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, the Bible says this Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Listen, love does not rejoice in iniquity. It, guess what it does? It rejoices in the truth. Why? Because love, somebody that loves you, guess what happens? They don't want you to stay in one place. They don't want you to wallow in your own mire. They want to pick you up. They want to help you. They want to encourage you. They want to exhort you. They want to edify you and build you up and get you out of that spot. What's your reaction? Listen, we ought to be having those conversations in our church we ought to be sharpening each other and helping each other and doing some things. Yes, listen, you, people can go too far. I understand that. But in the thought process of, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, nobody gets the truth told to them. You know, the Bible says that we need to speak the truth. 
but it says speak the truth in love. In love. There are people, I know lots of people who like to speak the truth. Man, they don't want to do it in love. And listen, there's a balance here. There's a balance here. So I want to encourage you tonight that love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. I want you to see number two very simply, just all things. The next verse, verse 7 it begins with that love beareth all things. <sighs> you know what the word beareth means? I looked this up in Strong's Dictionary. It means to cover with silence. To cover with silence. Let me say that again. Beareth means to cover with silence. Endureth patiently. Endures patiently this gives the idea of a roof think about a roof we have a roof over our heads right now it's beginning to snow praise the lord my roof guess what it does it bears all the snow in the winter you realize that you get up on the roof or you get outside and you look up there and it's got a foot of snow on top it's bearing that it bears the sun in the summer. It bears all the rain in the spring and fall. It keeps everything, get this, it keeps everything harmful out. Everything harmful out. That's why you put shingles or steel on it so that nothing harmful gets in. You don't want the water leaking down. You want it to keep everything harmful out. Listen, if, if you will, love protects from all things. It beareth all things. It holds those things out. It keeps its loved ones safe inside. Safe from harming themselves and safe from outside forces. Listen, there are all kinds of outside forces that want to break into this. There are all kinds of wolves in sheep's clothing that want to come into this family. What kind of church member are you what kind of uh, family member are you are you a loving family member or do you sit back and go ha he just got devoured or are you somebody that runs over and and scares that lion away and says no not today satan we're gonna sit down and we're gonna pray about this together and we're gonna bear all things keeps all of those harmful things out Man, this is a tough one. Let's go to the next one. Not only beareth all things, look at number two. It believeth all things. Whew. Let me give you one word. Trust. Trust. How many times have we wondered whether or not someone was telling us the truth? How many times have we wondered and been skeptical of someone? Well, I don't know if he really means that. Listen, love is not skeptical. Love does not try to make something out of nothing. It, it tries to take for what it is and believes what the person is telling us. Love is not skeptical. It believeth all things. When your loved one tells you that they don't feel well, don't be rude. Don't tell them that you're, yeah, you're just faking it. 
Why don't you get up and actually go to work, you big sissy? No, when they say, I don't feel well, be sensitive. Believe that they don't feel well. That's for all the men who have man colds. When your fellow body members say that they are struggling through something, don't just leave them in the dust. Believe them. Believe that they're struggling. Believe that they're going through something. And don't just come to them and say, ah, just get over it. Just stop doing it. Listen, bear all things with them. Believe all things. It's truthful. It's trust, trusting. Let's continue. Believe in all things. The Bible says this, hopeth all things. I believe this to be giving people the benefit of the doubt. Not only believing all things, but hoping all things. You may not know everything as to why they are doing something, but you are hopeful that they are doing it for the right reasons. You may not ever believe, hey, they're doing something. Are they, are they trying to do it for this purpose? Are they just trying to get, get brownie points? Or are they trying to do this because they actually love me? And you're constantly weighing this battle. Listen, don't pick that up. Just hope all things. Man, I hope they're doing this for the right reason. There's a confidence that they will perform their duties. I like, I like to say it this way. It is a trust before anything happens. Hope is, hey, there's something in the future. It's a trust before anything happens. You can handle this. I don't need to check up on you. You got it. Listen, but so often we want to micromanage people. We want to make sure that they're living their lives the way that we think they ought to be lived, and we want to micromanage every portion of their lives. Listen, just hope all things. You may see some things that are wrong. Listen, you go to them, you help them, you bear them up. One of the hardest ones of all is the last one here. Endureth all things. Endureth all things. I want you to go back to verse 4 and see the first one. Charity suffereth long. And then the last one says, charity endureth all things. Wow. What a statement. What a statement that love endures all things. Now listen, love endures stupidity. Let me say that again. Love endures stupidity. I tell you what, you get any person around you at some point, there's going to be stupidity. There's going to be things that you go, scratch your head, this is the dumbest thing. I cannot believe they're doing this. Listen, love endures that. I never said love just sits back and doesn't correct that. I never said that. I said it endures that. It goes through it. It endures. Guess what else love endures? Love endures annoyance. Oh. They're so annoying, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Don't sit there piously and think, I'm the only one who's thinking this way. Oh, ye spirits, maybe I should be bowing down to you. You're so spiritual. Listen, there are annoying people in the world. And guess what? Love endures annoyance. 
It goes through it, even if they're having trouble. It can, if you're, they're so annoying, but yet, listen, they're going through a hard time. Endures. Endures and bears and believes. Wow. Love endures. Guess what? Anger. And I'm so angry at that person. I'm so frustrated I could just throw in the towel today. I, I want to blow this relationship up. I don't want to have anything to ever do with them. Listen, love endures anger, even if they're angry at you. Love endures. Love endures trials. Love endures problems. Love endures sickness. Love endures death. This one's hard. Love endures deceit. Let me say that again. Love endures deceit. Man, again, in a husband and wife relationship, maybe there's some deceit going on. Listen, love endures that. Again, I didn't say that that doesn't go without punishment and that your relationship is perfectly fine, but it endures, it goes through, it continues to love. It is unconditional love. There are no conditions attached. Love endures lying. Well, they lied to me. I can never trust them again. Now, I didn't say you had to stand up and get run over 13 times. But love endures lying. Keeps loving even if someone lies to you. I've already made mention to this, but love endures infidelity. Love endures someone who stabs you in the back. Are you getting the picture yet? Love just endures all things. But what if, Pastor, you no, no, that's, I didn't write the Bible. I want you to think about Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the one who loves you, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to think about Jesus Christ who literally got stabbed in the back with a cat of nine tails 39 times. Who literally got placed on a cross for our sins and your sins. And yet John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. This is that unconditional love. Doesn't matter what people do. Doesn't matter if people literally crucify you. That's love. Listen, I, I'm not the one to keep the score. So if you're thinking in your mind, well, what if somebody does this to me? And what if somebody does that to me? And what if somebody does this and this and this and this? And you begin to compile your list. Listen, I'm not the one who keeps that score. We can, we can talk about all kinds of different things, but for tonight, we're going to talk about love and what love is. If you want to truly love someone, if you want to love someone as Christ hath loved them, and gave himself for them. Listen, you must endure all things. Here's a quote. The one who loves you will never leave you. Even if there are a hundred reasons to give up, they will find one reason to hold on. Kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Who will leave the 90 and 9 and... Go for the one. Listen, I can find flaw in every single one of you. I can find, you can find a, a ton of flaws in me. I'll help you find them. 
But if you love someone, you look past those flaws. You look past the annoyance. You look past the, the work. You look past the frustration and you just go, I'm going to endure all things. I want you to understand that the context of this passage is the church. We can apply this to all kinds of different areas of our lives, but the context of this passage is the Corinthian church. And I want to tell you that there are people in this church that meet here every Sunday that maybe don't come physically to this church that need your love. They need your love. There are people in this body that need to be loved by you in this way. Because let's face it, every one of us has problems. Every one of us has idiosyncrasies. Every one of us has things that annoy other people. And yet, guess what? We want to be loved. They need to feel God's love through you. I want you to take this outside of that church. Outside of our body of Christ. And there are people in the world that don't know Jesus Christ, that don't know the love of Jesus Christ, that need to experience the love of Jesus Christ through you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. Aren't you glad that God loves us when we are unlovable? Aren't you glad that God loves us when we're annoying, when we're frustrating, when we just make him angry? Very simply, we should have the same love one toward another. This ought to be the same love that we have to the person sitting next to you and to the person sitting across the room from you. You'll look at this and you'll go, there is absolutely no way. And let me tell you something, you're exactly right. There is absolutely no way by yourself. You will never love someone the way that you are supposed to love them without the love of Jesus Christ flowing through you. Oh, I'm saved, Pastor Owens. That's not what I said. You can experience the love of Jesus Christ one time, but that love of Jesus Christ ought to be flowing through you. As love comes from God, it ought to be going out to others. As love comes from God, it ought to be going out to others. It just should be a constant flow, renewed every morning. Listen, if you cannot have a relationship with God, that's correct. You cannot have a relationship with people, that's correct. It's impossible. We talked about uh, some conflict resolution on Wednesday. And as we were preparing for that, I reminded the guys of a message that we heard in September of 2010. I have no idea why I remember that. Preacher talked about leprosy. How leprosy was, if it was found on a garment, the Bible uses the terms warp and woof. All of us are like, eh, I don't know what that means. Sam Davison took some time and studied it out. And I'll probably get it wrong. But basically, one of them is the vertical stitch, and the other is the horizontal stitch, microscopic level. The Bible says that if it is on the warp or the woof, if the leprosy is on one or the other, then you must throw the garment away. 
The fact of the matter is this, you cannot have it on one. It's at the microscopic level. The whole premise was, if you have leprosy going one way, you're going to have leprosy going another way. If there's a disconnect between you and God, there's going to be a disconnect between you and man. I want you to understand, if you have a disconnect between you and man, there's going to be a disconnect between you and God. We have to love, love people the way that God has loved us and the way that God loves them. These are love's actions. We'll take a look at verse 8 next week. Let's pray.